0: Back and get raw with us. From the latest hip hop beats to social issues that crippled the black community all from the perspective of a young, strong black woman. A strong black woman. And now your host, Rita. Welcome back everyone for another episode of According to RP on WJMS. Powered by Black Ivy Media. It's your girl Rita Pierre, your host, and as always, I hope you guys are striving, thriving, and surviving in these streets. Well, happy, happy Sunday, everyone! I hope you guys had an amazing week and an even better weekend. Um, for those of you in the Northeast, particularly in the New York City area, which is you know where I'm where I am, um, the weather outside was a bit frightful for me because I am not a big fan of the heat. Uh, It was literally blazing hip-hop and R&B out here in these streets. Uh, But the streets were packed. The streets were packed. Uh, People have been anticipating this weather, you know, all year. Um, But, you know, for me, I'm not. (laughs) I'm not a heat person. I, I love the idea of summer. I love the concept of summer. You know, everybody being outside, mingling, wearing sundresses, just being cute. However, I just cannot deal with the 80 degree weather I cannot deal with the 80 90 degree weather I am a 65 to 75 degree weather girl I'm a fall baby I love the fall I am not down with these muggy ass streets either way um i was i was still out in these streets yesterday though (laughs) i was out i was out in the streets i was out in the 80 degree weather um but for a good cause for a good cause so my very very dear friend and ceo and founder of wjms media uh jamie bulls knox she dragged me out there well she didn't drag me out there but either way um I was out there to support her. Um, and the lung force walk. So I I don't remember how many years this walk has been in existence, but this is my second time, um, participating in the lung force walk, which is a lung, um, cancer awareness walk. Jamie was one of the speakers at the lung force, um, walk for this year. Um, and I think the last year too, this is the second time I think she's been a speaker. Um, and so it was amazing to be there to support my friend. Um, for those of you who have tuned in to, you know, WJMS media and according to RP over the last couple of years, you know, we've had, I think, about a show or two with Jamie with respect to um, her lung cancer diagnosis. So Jamie was diagnosed at the age of 32 in 2018 with stage four lung cancer and Jamie has never smoked a day in her life. Um, she has no history of cancer in her family and lo and behold, she was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. And so Jamie has been a staunch advocate, just raising awareness, because for the most part, there is a stigma with lung cancer, right? When people think of lung cancer, you think about individuals who are smoking, right? You think about smokers. Um, and unfortunately, with the society that we live in, you're like, oh, well, you brought this on yourself. If, you're, if you have lung cancer, you must be a smoker, and therefore, you know, you get what you deserve, Uh, But that's not the case. And I think the statistics that I heard um, at the walk was that 20% of those diagnosed with lung cancer have no history and are not smokers. So, it's definitely something that I believe is environmental. I believe a lot of these diseases, these chronic illnesses that we are unfortunately, you know, experiencing um, is due to the environment. Like, things are real, right? The environment is definitely a contributing factor to a lot of these illnesses. But either way, I was happy to be there to support her even though it was blazing hip-hop and R&B out here in these streets. It was hot as hell. But it was beautiful to see so many People come out to honor their loved ones, those that they have lost to lung cancer um, and to see all the supporters, you know, of individuals who are currently battling lung cancer. So the awareness event was great. And I do pray that, you know, these aware this awareness, especially for lung cancer grows because it's not as a prominent widespread as the breast cancer awareness walks, as the AIDS awareness walks. Um, But lung cancer, I believe, again, from the statistics I heard – um, is the leading um is the leading cancer I guess right uh, where people are dying from people are dying uh, mostly and I think at a higher rate from lung cancer than any other cancer there is so it's something that we need to address and it's something that is affecting our community the black community and we already know that there's a lack of resources in our community already there's a lack of information a lack of awareness when it comes to these things so it's also very important for us. As people of color to continue to raise awareness um, on these chronic illnesses that affect us disproportionately. So that was my Saturday morning, Saturday evening. I met up with my friends, you know, I did a little, uh, you know, restaurant bar hop. Um, just to take advantage of the weather. And then today I met up with one of my favorite cousins. I have to say one of them because I do have a lot of favorite cousins and I don't want anybody coming after me, but one of my favorite cousins, George Sinter, you shout out to my cousin George, um, who was in town this weekend and we had a great brunch and we talked about our organization, Frida's house. For those of you who don't know, George and I co-founded a, a nonprofit organization called Frida's house. And this organization uh, focuses on the area of Bagadette, Haiti. So it's been a little difficult to really carry out a lot of our initiatives because Haiti is a hot mess right now. There is no president still. They're kidnapping people every day. So we had planned a trip for March to go down there to do some field work. But unfortunately, we're going to have to postpone until things are a little more stable. However, we are finding um, various ways to still be engaged and to still Um, carry out our mission. So definitely stay tuned um, for that. You can follow us at Frida's House on Instagram, F-R-E-D-A-S House on Instagram or go to our website, www.fridashouse.org. If you are interested in, in being part of the team, definitely send a DM there or you could DM us at According to RP as well. So if you're not aware May is also Haitian Heritage Month and I know that this past Wednesday was Haitian Flag Day, May 18th. Haitians all over the world were celebrating Haitian Flag Day. There were celebrations throughout the week into the weekend and even this weekend there were celebrations for Haitian Flag Day and overall Haitian Heritage Month. So on this episode I'm going to talk a little bit about Haitian pride and the love we have for the culture because i like sometimes it gets misconstrued, misunderstood. Um, I've been part of a lot of discussions and debates even um, as to, you know, the way that Haitians represent. Some think think it's too much. Some think that we are divisive in the way that we, um, you know, love our culture and the amount of uh, emphasis we put on being Haitian. So I want to talk about that today. Uh, But before we get into the meat of the show, we are going to do our preliminaries, guys. I know that there are certain weeks that we don't do the preliminaries, but that's because when we have our guests, we want to make sure that we have enough time for our guests to partake, to share um, information, to drop gems and all this other stuff. But today we have our preliminaries. I know I've gotten a couple of texts like, yo, where are the preliminaries? (laughs) So we have our preliminaries today, guys. So, uh, without further ado, it is now time for our Urban Dictionary word or phrase of the week. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? May I have the definition? Um, what does keep mean? It's on fleek. Can you use it in a sentence? I don't want fleek. Lit. And it's gonna be lit. Major key. It's time for the Urban Dictionary word or phrase of the week. word or phrase of the week is soft yes. Soft yes. A casual, affirmative response that someone can use if they do not want to be wholly committed or if the answer is subject to change. Example, hey, do you want to go see a movie tonight? I want to, but uh, I may be too tired when the time comes, so I'm going to say a soft yes. I think this is very appropriate as we are entering summer solstice which is june 21st but uh, apparently the weather gods have deemed it to be you know summer now because it is 80 something degrees out here in these streets um i think this is very appropriate because you know what during the summer especially there's a lot of overbooking there's a lot of double booking there's a lot of "Mm, let me see um you know what event I really want to go to? People don't really want to commit so much, especially in the summer, to outings and events and to things like that, because we want to know we want to know what's what's the best option. We're out here, you know, mm, trying trying to see, you know, where is the most fun to be had. And so I feel like this soft yes. I don't know if anybody's calling it a soft yes, but I feel like this soft yes uh, definition is definitely. For what is about to happen this summer. I have been told that summer is going to be a zoo. In fact, today, I believe Kwanzaa Crawl is taking place in New York City as we speak. Now, if you guys had tuned into some of the earlier episodes I had with my uh co-host Albin Boucher, shout out to Albin. Uh, we talked about Kwanzaa Crawl. I think Kwanzaa Crawl was supposed to take place in December, but due to COVID, it got shut down. And so they had rescheduled it. They had rescheduled it for uh the summer. And so I believe Kwanzaa Crawl is happening today. Um, but yes, soft yes, I think that there's going to be a lot of that. I am going to be very, very honest with you. I am a soft yes girl. I will soft yes you to death. I do not like to wholly commit to things. Um, it could be because of my Sagittarian ways, but I'm always looking for the next best thing. So I won't always, you know, commit wholly to outings and events because sometimes um, – I want to see what's happening in Brooklyn. Like, you know, like if you're inviting me to something that's taking place in Manhattan and, and Lord forbid the Bronx, which I do not step foot in. Um, I will probably give you a soft yes. If it's in Brooklyn, you may get more of a commitment out of me because it's not, you know, it's not a, a long commute, a hard commute. But I think that there's going to be a lot of soft yesing happening this summer because there seems to be so much um, to do this summer, especially like there's a lot. People are tired. People are covid tired. So they want to be out here in these streets. There's going to be events probably every single day. And so to, to commit, to wholly commit. Um, to something is going to be very difficult. So I like this definition. The fact that you know it's for people who don't want to wholly commit um, or where the answer is subject to change. Like, hey, Rita, do you want to come to this thing in the city? Mm, I'm going to have to give you a soft yes. Because guess what? The answer might be subject to change if there is going to be an event that is of equal caliber in Brooklyn. I will always choose to stay in Brooklyn than to go into the city. So... I like this definition. I think it's definitely going to be in strong use, um, especially for this summer. So good job. Who submitted this? Uh, Live, love, Oprah. Live, love, Oprah. You know, I I like this. I like this. You know, sometimes I'm always um, going at it, you know, or they don't know I'm going at it with them, but. (laughs) <laughs> I feel like I'm always going at it with urban dictionary because at times the definitions just don't make sense. And then the people submitting these words, I'm like, where, who really says these things? Like what is happening here? But I like this one soft. Yes. I think it's appropriate. Um, I think it makes sense. And I also think that is practical. And I feel like many of y'all, whether you want to believe it or not, um, or accept it or admit it or not are like me. We are soft yesers. We are not wholly committing to uh, to things this summer. We are going where the wind blows. We are going where the better option is. And there's nothing wrong with that because you have one life to live. End rant. <laughs> so now it's time for our Haitian Creole Word or Phrase of the Week. <laughs> Crayon word or phrase of the week is fréquent. Fréquent. Fréquent means fresh. Now, growing up, I was called fréquent all the time by my mother um, because apparently I was always fresh. I always had a smart mouth. Um, I, w- I don't think I was ever rude. I've never really been called rude per se, but I've been fresh. So fréquent means fresh. And I know that this is a term that is always being thrown out in these streets. And people are like, what the hell is a frecon? What frecon? What is fréquent? Well, fréquent means fresh. So let's say you're having a conversation with somebody and you throw out a very fresh remark. Somebody's going to say fréquent. Like, that's usually how it will come out, right? Fréquent. Like, ou frekan? That's your fréquent ou frekan? that's how it would come out. So somebody wants to call you fresh. They're going to say frica or oufrican. Um, So if you hear the word um and, and you feel like it's being hurled in your direction, they probably are talking about you. Haitians have no problem um, talking about people to their face um, in their presence. <laughs> so if you hear the word frica and you feel like it's being aimed at you, you are being called fresh at that moment. So, there you go. <laughs> there you go. So it is now time for the Big Up of the Week. So this week's Big Up of the Week goes to Nick Cannon. Why, you might ask? Well, apparently, according to the blogs and other reputable uh, news outlets, Nick Cannon says he's looking into getting a vasectomy, and apparently he has already had the consultation. Now, for those of you who have been tuning in to the Nickelodeon star, Nick Cannon, he is about to have his eighth baby by, I don't know, I don't know if this baby mama number six, um, and half of these children are only months apart, apparently. We're not sure what he's up to. Many of us, you know, have our own, uh, I don't know, theories as to why he's trying to populate the earth. I don't know. But at the end of the day, many people were concerned about this and many have found it to be reckless. Now, Nick Cannon's a grown-ass man. He makes mad money. I don't think anybody is concerned about whether or not he's taking care of these kids. And whether or not these kids are going to have to be, you know, you know, I don't know on the welfare system. Nobody is concerned about that aspect. I think where a lot of people um, are showing concern is just the fact like the sanctity of the family. Right now, obviously in the year of 2022 families, you know, take on different forms. You have mothers and mothers, you have fathers and fathers, you have mothers and fathers, like there's a lot of different dynamics. However, I, I will say that I am a bit of a traditionalist when it comes to having a two parent home, whether that's mother and mother, father and father, whatever, but a two parent home. I was not raised in a two parent home, uh, and my son was not raised in a two parent home. So I, I understand the single parent plight, right? Um, and it is what it is. I think that for the most part, many of us did not choose single parentship. Things happen, people get divorced, people separate, um, people die, unfortunately. You know, there's many, there's many routes to single parentism. It's not, you know, this this negative stigma where people think that, you know, women are out here busting it wide open and getting pregnant, and that's how we became single mothers. No, like people, you know, relationships don't always last and it happens. And so, you know. Shout out to all the single parents out there who are really trying to do what they got to do and rear these kids, you know, the right, you know, in the right way. Right. But I feel like when you intentionally create single parent settings for these children, I don't know how I feel about that, you know, um, I don't know. Like, again, these kids are going to have everything because their dad is Nick Cannon. He's rich. But I feel like there is it, it. There is something about having both your parents, you know, in the home, raising you like day in and day out. Right. Not like that. Daddy's coming on the first and second weekend of the month or I mean, he has eight kids, you know, at the end of the day, like he is going to be sharing his time. Um, with all these women, because half of these kids I think what is it like six different women or whatever he has these kids with, and many might say it's nobody's business but their own, but I think that I think that the kids you know it it's nobody's business, but the kids didn't ask to be born in these situations, right the kids never asked to be born in this in these situations, and again, these kids are probably going to have whatever everything that they'll need, and maybe you know all of these critics are just criticizing for no reason, because maybe, maybe Nick is going to be able to be there 24 seven for everyone. Notice the sarcasm. I just find that, I don't know. I always think about the kids and because I wasn't raised in a a two parent home. um, I understand like, you know, from the child perspective, like the importance of that, right? Many of us, who were born in these situations could say, we don't really care how much money was coming into the house. We just wanted our mother. We just wanted our father. We just wanted to be raised in a two parent home. Um, But I give him the big up of the week because I think that this is a reasonable decision. I think that this is probably the best decision that he could have made to stop having babies with different women and to focus on the eight that he currently has now I'm not sure if in this eight the deceased child is counted in this in this eight so I don't know if it's if it's actually eight live children or if it's you know nine children altogether. I don't I don't know but you know the 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 blogs and whatnot you know talk about him having eight kids I would assume that they wouldn't include um, the you know the deceased baby because at the end of the day that was his child. He lost his child. And I really hate when people, um, when, you know, people lose a a baby, whether it be, you know, in utero or shortly thereafter or a month after that, that baby no longer exists. And people don't count that as a child anymore. Um, I really don't like when people do that because for the parent that lost that child, that baby, it'll always be their child, whether they're here or not here. Like, they will always have, like that that child will always count. It will always matter. Either way, long-ass rant for the big up of the week, but I give him the big up of the week, you know. Um, I give him the big up of the week. (laughs) So now moving on to the Womp Womp of the week. So this week's Womp Womp of the week goes to... Wells Fargo. Now, Wells Fargo has has been under fire for quite some time now. Um, most of it has to deal with, you know, discrimination uh, based on race, right? We have seen a lot of reports over the last several years that have named Wells Fargo in a number of race discrimination suits. We have had people, you know, customers, uh, employees come out to talk about, Wells Fargo's discriminatory practices, particularly toward the black race. Um, But they're back in the news again. They are back again. And this time, um, allegedly, Wells Fargo was holding fake job interviews for minority candidates for jobs that were already promised to others. And so apparently a former employee of theirs, Joe Bruno, Uh, who was in their wealth management sector, according to the New York Post, came out and spoke out against Wells Fargo. And he is really the one who highlighted this practice of Wells Fargo, conducting these fake interviews um, with minorities for positions that already had owners. right? Now... A part of me, you know, I sit back and I and I wonder, are these organizations, are these institutions not tired of paying out money for race discrimination suits? Like, are you not tired of spending your coins on your legal team to fight race discrimination allegations and claims? Because even if these lawsuits don't go too far, you're still having to put out money to defend against these allegations and these claims, right? And now, you know, I feel like not even six months ago, Wells Fargo was in the news. And here we go again for something even crazier. And apparently, allegedly, according to, uh, what is it, Joe Bruno, he stated he was terminated because he called out Wells Fargo's discriminatory practices. Now of course Wells Fargo has, you know, their own take on this and they're basically saying, you know, that you know, Joe Joe was terminated for other reasons. It was not because he was calling out their discrimination or whatever the case is. But either way, even if Joe was lying, he's not the only employee who has come out to speak on Wells Fargo's discriminatory practices. So Wells Fargo is the Womp Womp of the Week for me because, I mean, this at the end of the day, like, get it together. Whether you like black people or not, we are here. And it would behoove you to just get with the program. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't, I don't understand these institutions and why they are so committed to their racism. Like, they're so committed to... To discriminatory practices, it's like they have no problem just coming out of pocket to defend these cases. It's like, why don't you just stop? Why don't you just stop? Um, so I really don't know how far this is going to go. Uh, the situation here with these fake interviews, and I'm assuming you know Joe is going to take this all the way. Um, interesting to see how far this actually goes because it's not the first time Wells Fargo has been under fire, and I just don't understand why they are so committed to racism like just stop but either way Wells Fargo gets the womp womp of the week and now it's time for the meat of the show Month. May is Haitian Heritage Month. It's nationally recognized and celebrated every year in the month of May. And many wonder, well, why is May Haitian Heritage Month? Well, Haitian Heritage Month is an expansion of the annual May 18th Haitian Flag Day, which I talked about early on um, in this show and last week's show. And so I guess the founders got together and were like, why don't we just make the entire month Haitian Heritage Month? And boom, here we go. And so Haitian Heritage Month is really a time to honor the diverse culture and contributions of the Haitian community. And, you know, oftentimes when we think about Haiti and when we hear about Haiti, especially in the news, the focus is always on the negative I mean, how many times do we have to hear that Haiti is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere? You know, there are so many beautiful aspects of Haiti. I have been to Haiti several times, and I have seen the beauty of Haiti. I've seen the beauty of Haiti in just the country itself, just the, 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 the landscape. I've seen the beauty in the people. Um, the rich culture is, like, is dripping off the food the music, the art, um, and I think that just the mix, right, the, the melting pot, which is Haiti, is very unique. You know, a lot of people don't know that there are so many different cultures within Haiti that make Haitian culture. I remember I was in college and I had a professor of mine, Professor Dibuifo, I will never forget him, Haitian professor, And this class was called African Civilization, and we were supposed to be learning about African Civilization, but instead he turned the course into the Haitian Revolution course. (laughs) Haitian Revolution 101. Whether you liked it or not, you were learning about the Haitian Revolution. And even though I grew up learning a lot about my history and knowing a lot about my Haitian culture because my mother made it her mission um, to you know teach us you know what it was to be haitian in fact she said straight up i am not raising any americans here so even though we were living in america it was kind of like we were living in haiti at the same damn time we ate haitian food we went to haitian church you know haitian school um there was, I mean, like everything was Haitian. Like everything, you know, I was not allowed to wear like white sneakers for God knows how many years. Um, we were wearing like shoes and boots to school. Like it was crazy. Um, <laughs> you know, so even though we were not physically in Haiti, um, you know, Creole was spoken in the house. Like that's just what it was. And you know, I mean, that's just what it was. <laughs> we were living in Little Haiti while we were living in America um but not many people had that experience a lot of my you know haitian brothers and sisters who were born here in america did not have this um you know this this du- they did not live in duality i guess is the best way to put it they did not live in haiti and in america at the same damn time they did not have this cultural uh, clashing this constant cultural uh, clashing going on in the household every single day um but In this class, going back to the class, I know I was going somewhere, um, Professor Diberfo made sure that everybody understood the contributions of Haiti to the world. So not just to America, but to the world. Um, And I really appreciated him for that, because although I did know a lot about my history, there was so much that I did not know. I did not know that there was a whole Polish community uh, in Haiti after the Napoleonic, you know, war or whatever, that they the Polish decided to stay back and assist the Haitians in their fight against Napoleon and his army. And it's interesting because I know so many people with Russian and Polish names. And for the longest time, you know, we used to always... You know, I don't want to say clown, but we used to always like laugh at like our friends that had these like Manushka, you know, we were like, oh, my God, your name is so Haitian. Manushka, Natasha, Lovensky, Ivensky, like we have I know people with these names Um, uh, Evgeny and we used to be like, oh my gosh, like these Haitian names, these parents in these Haitian names, but these names are not Haitian names. These names are Eastern European names. These are Polish names. These are Russian names. And these names found their way in Haiti because of the individuals, the communities, the Polish communities, the Russian communities that, you know, made Haiti their home. And so, it was just interesting for me. It was just so interesting to to learn this fact because it was like, Oh, so Manushka is not like a ghetto Haitian name. It's, (laughs) it is a Russian name. It is a Polish name. Um, we had friends who were Haitian Filipino, you know, Filipinos descended to Haiti and made Haiti their home. And we had friends who were Filipino Haitians. Uh, we had friends who were Syrian and Lebanese Haitians. We had friends who were Jewish Haitians, like, You know, just to learn that there was all of these different uh, cultures, you know, contributing to what makes Haiti Haiti was always so fascinating to me. And I feel like Haitian Heritage Month gives us that opportunity to really delve into the history of Haiti, to really understand who the Haitian people are, what Haitian culture is, what are the origins of some of these things. Um, I think I think that's so important because, again, Haiti has been so instrumental into, you know, just the way that this world is even able to move and function like America owes so much to Haiti, like all these South American, Central American countries. I mean, the entire Caribbean Oh, so much to Haiti, which is, you know, essentially like the second motherland, in my opinion, because if it was not for Haiti, these countries would not be free. You know, America would not have Louisiana and all these other territories. Um, So I think it's so important to understand the impact that Haiti has had on the world then and even now. And so, you know, I, I, I draw all this out because there's been so much criticism as well over the years, you know, that I've, you know, I've been part of debates and discussions as to what, wh- why is Haiti so special? Why, why does Haiti get, you know, its own month, right? Because Hispanic heritage month is like in September. So that's all the Hispanic countries we have. I think May is also Asian Pacific Islander, heritage month but people are like why does haiti get a month right why why do haitians get this quote-unquote special treatment and i think for for all of the reasons that i've listed (laughs) i think for all of the reasons and and more um i think haiti deserves to have this month where the world can see how haiti was instrumental in 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 it in and how they're functioning the other thing I wanted to really uh, speak on and draw on is the the immense love that Haitians and Haitian Americans have for their culture and for their people. I think a lot of it stems from the fact that there was a period of time where Haitians were not loved, they were not um, revered, they were not accepted in this country, especially in the United States, right? In the 80s and the 90s, people were referring to Haitians as Haitian booty scratchers. They said that Haitians are the ones who brought AIDS, you know, to America and that we were the cause of AIDS globally even. Um, this was something that was actually, um, you know, written in medical books and I think that with the CDC or the World world health organization or whatever um, publicly stated this. Um, And so Haitians have faced so much discrimination in this country, especially not just from white people, but from other um, non Haitians from other blacks. Um, And so I think that the Haitians are so proud and so prideful and they are all about representing the Haitian flag, the Haitian culture, and just just this being, this Haitianism because of all of the things that they had to endure at the hands of everyone who was not Haitian, right? This is a group of individuals who came to this country speaking Haitian Creole. And many will say, well, there are other countries that speak Creole too, but it's not 100% the same. Can I understand some St. Lucian Creole? Yes. Can I understand some Guadalupian um, Creole? Yes. But Haitian Creole is still Haitian Creole. That's why it's called Haitian Creole. Um, and, you know, they came to this country and they did not speak English. They you know, many did not speak Spanish they were othered for such a long time. They were not welcomed in, you know, the coalition of Caribbean nations because all the other Caribbean nations for the most part were Anglo. And here we had a Francophone Haitian Creole, you know, speaking people in America that were really enduring so much. And I think the fact that Haitians have been able to overcome these obstacles They've been able to make something of themselves. I mean, when you look at medical schools, when you look at law schools, when you look at a lot of these graduate programs, there are Haitians all over the place. Like I remember when I was in law school, like out of the the pool of black uh, students, I think that ha- it was Haitians were. Were I guess the majority of of the of the black population, and then I think it might have been Jamaicans and and so on, you know. And I think Africans, you know, there's like a hierarchy, right? But everywhere you go, Haitians are at the top somewhere, and I think it goes to um, you know, the emphasis on the education system. Haitians are very big on education. They are very big on um on upward mobility um, they are very big on being somebody and so there is a lot to be proud um, about right there's a lot to be prideful for and I think that people sometimes get it twisted when they see like oh the here comes the Haitians again over representing you know they're out here They got to tell everybody they're Haitian. They got to make everything about Haitians. You know, they got to, everything has to be Haitian, this, Haitian, that. And many have seen this and have called this to be, you know, separatist behavior. I had recently gotten into, I don't want to say a debate or an argument, but a very heated discussion about nationalism and just, you know, just pride, right, for one's country and love for one's culture and this individual, you know, basically stated that, you know, the fact that I was so proud to be Haitian and the fact that I was even acknowledging myself as a Haitian American um th- that I was being separatist because at the end of the day we are all black, we all need to be one. It can't be oh I come from Jamaica, oh I come from Haiti, oh I come from Trinidad, that this is separatist behavior. But I find that to be ignorant because just because someone is in love with their culture and is in love with who they are and their people and acknowledge the struggles and acknowledge the triumphs and is is just really proud of how far their you know their people have come that's not necessarily separatist it's not separatist let me not say necessarily it's not separatist i find that it's only separatist if you know, I was coming out and saying, hey, I am better than you because I'm Haitian. I am better than you, uh, you know, because I'm Jamaican. I'm better than you because I'm Trinidadian or whatever the case is. I feel like at that point, yes, now we are talking about separatism. But acknowledging your culture, celebrating the diversity that is not separatism. In fact, I believe that we in the black diaspora, we should be proud of our individual heritages, if that is a word. <laughs> um, and we should learn from each other. We should learn about each other's cultures. We should learn about each other's backgrounds. We should learn about, you know, our ancestry in a sense it is beautiful to be able to exchange that I love me some roti anytime I hear somebody is you know Guyanese or Trini I'm like do you know how to make roti anytime I hear that somebody is Jamaican can you bring me some jerk chicken please or jerk salmon now please I love pepper pot I'm always whenever I hear somebody's Guyanese, can somebody bring me some Peppa pot? Like I love learning about other cultures and I love eating <laughs> foods from different, you know, communities. I think it's a beautiful thing. So to go back to this, like, you know, extremist uh, attitude that people have towards like Haitians where Haitians are just overrepresenting, We're a team too much. We're too prideful. We're, you know, we're, we're too involved. Um, I tell these people that if you're mad that you don't have a culture that you identify with, or if you are mad that you do don't subscribe to a particular culture. That's your business. Haitians, we love our culture. We love our people. And it's crazy because a lot of us have never stepped foot on Haitian soil. But because we understand how rich our community is, how rich our culture is, um, the contributions that we have made to the world, um. It's like we don't need we don't need to step foot on the soil to be connected to it. And for the longest time, I I went to Haiti for the first time in 2010, but I was raised to love Haiti. I was raised to speak the language. I was raised to eat the food. I was raised to understand the culture. And that's what made me so proud to be ha- to, to be Haitian. That's what made me so proud to tell people I'm Haitian American. Um I I always lead with that. I am Haitian American um, because I am proud of my culture. And I think that anybody who subscribed to a culture should be just as proud. I mean, I would love to see everybody going just as hard as Haitians when it comes to, you know, representing their culture. But I feel like Haitians, the reason that we are so, quote unquote, extreme about it is because we we have overcome a lot And there is so much to celebrate. There is so much to honor. And we just want the world to acknowledge as well the contributions we have made to the world. And we want everybody to participate and to learn about our rich culture so that they can stop seeing Haiti as the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere and instead see Haiti for what it is, the pearl des Antilles, the pearl of the Antilles, you know, the diamond that it is, the mother that, you know, birthed the revolution. Um I think that that's why we go so hard because we do have something to defend. Um and we're defending it at every you know possibility. Um and so I wanted to talk about that today because I feel like every time Haitian Heritage Month comes around, you know, there's the haters out there that are squawking and talking about, you know, why do Haitians get, you know, a month? Why do Haitians get a block in Brooklyn? Like, why is the train station saying Little Haiti? There are other people who live in this community, too. Um, I think, you know... If they took the time to educate themselves as to, you know, who the Haitian people are, how we have contributed, um, maybe they wouldn't be so critical as, you know, to how we move. We go hard. Haitians go hard. And we ensure that we are at the top at any chance possible. I mean, the white house press secretary is a Haitian American woman, right? Um, and and she's just one of the many examples of Haitian excellence throughout the world. And so I am proud to be Haitian. I am proud to have a platform where I can talk about the joys of being Haitian. Um, and I hope that this inspires you know, those, whether you're Haitian, non-Haitian, or whatever, to learn about the culture, to learn about how Haitians have contributed to the world, to understand why we are so proud, to understand why we rep as hard as we do. Um, If Somebody had asked me for, like, book recommendations, um, because, you know, even though the Internet's at your fingertips, you know, a lot of people do like to go to the old school, open up some books but one of my favorite books was the black jacobins that really talked about the haitian revolution and i that's one book i always recommend because i love that book it was a book that i read in college thanks to professor dibuifo um but there are so many documentaries there are so many you know online um publications um that you can you know look look up and read up on Haitian history and Haitian culture. But I encourage you all to do that, to learn, you know, learn. We only have what? How many days we have left? We have, I don't know, maybe what, two weeks, less than two weeks left in the month. Take this opportunity to learn a little bit more about Haiti. And if you don't know anything about Haiti, take this opportunity to learn about Haiti, period. I mean, every week we do have the Haitian Creole word or phrase of the week. You know, that's my contribution there. But there's so much to Haiti than the language, than just the food, the art. Like there is a lot more to Haiti than what... Uh, the news outlets are, are sharing. There is a whole island of beautiful people of rich heritage, rich culture, rich land that needs to be highlighted more and talked about more and showcased more. And so with that being said, everyone, happy Haitian Heritage Month. And I hope that you guys have learned something today and if you you know are inspired to learn more the internet is free 99 available for everyone and with that being said everyone i will talk to you guys next week you were listening to according to rp on wjms radio about time you tuned in tune in each and every sunday can't wait to come back 7 p.m eastern standard time it's all online